Welcome back to The Rack Show, where we discuss everything involving the responsibly armed citizen. I am one of your hosts, Tim Kelly, and I'm with Frank Horvath, and we're going to be discussing firearm safety and etiquette. Why don't you take it off, Frank? Well, hello, Tim. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good. So our uh, first show was just a little, little shaky, right? Getting yeah. our feet out from underneath <laughs> us. Got a little tongue-tied. Uh, new day, everything. We're, we're feeling a little bit better. We're going we're gonna to roll right through this. I'm All excited right. for it. All right. So, yeah, firearm safety and etiquette. So um, what is firearm safety and etiquette? Why? Um, I mean, obviously, we're thinking about, oh, firearm safety, you know, let's, let's not, you know, hurt somebody. But what does that actually mean? What does it actually look like? You know, what are those fundamental firearm safety rules? And then we'll dive into etiquette after that. But what are those far- fundamental firearm safety rules? Well, I think in the last show we talked about the um, we talked about the the folks that grew up around guns, right? The the idea that I, I grew up around guns, and for some odd reason, especially us men, get offended when you say when you start talking about. Um, firearm safety. Well, I already know how to safely handle a firearm. Right. Do you? And have you measured that to um, some type of success? Like, how have you measured that? And what type of environments have you been in to practice firearm safety? Right. And you think about practicing firearm safety. It's because it's a skill. It's not something that you inherited. It's not embedded in your DNA. Um, right. And just because your, you know, your grandfather taught you how to uh, how to shoot your rifle or something like that, doesn't mean that you know everything there is to know and, uh, about firearm safety and how to apply it in multiple different formats. Right. So um, yeah, there's a lot that goes into firearm safety. You know, something that like immediately you know sticks in my brain is you know when I was a, a kid, right? My you know growing up, there was you know treat every firearm as if it was loaded. Um, you know, fortunately, my parents had that foresight to to say something like that, right. to, to teach it in that in that way. Um, same thing with you know keep your finger straight and off the trigger, and you know what does that actually look like? Like so, in, in my family growing up, that literally meant you know finger high out of the trigger guard. Um, which which just happens to coincide with you know what our expectation is for that particular firearm safety rule, but that's not the same. That's not universal for everybody. Right. Right. So, <clears throat> um, you know, one ex- one example that we have. So here we have a f- a frame. Right. This is just a piece for for you guys joining us on the um, uh, on the digital media side. Right. So we, we have a a frame, uh, just a piece of plastic, so not not a firearm, just a piece of plastic. But when we say finger straighten off the trigger, I mean, if your finger is, you know, straighten off trigger, but it's it's hovering right inside the trigger guard, right, um, then I would consider that being pretty close to being on the trigger, right? right. We want to be able to see through that trigger guard. So, again, if you're joining us on the live stream, you'll, you can see, you know, if your finger is straighten off the trigger, it's nice and high where your finger can touch the metal of the slide, like right. way above where there could be any excuse for any you know misconstruction of where that might go, where that right. where that finger might go. Um, but again, that's just that's just one piece of it, right? So, mm-hmm. what else is there? Uh, well, keeping it pointed in a safe direction, you know, not letting your the muzzle of your firearm, um, you know, the business end of your firearm, to you know cover anything you don't intend to shoot, kill, or destroy. Right. And and I think 
that's probably the one that um, stands out to me the most. Now, the finger on the trigger thing, sure, we're all the time getting on the folks about that. But the um, keeping it pointed in a safe direction, a lot of times when there's a over like a, a lapse or something like that, maybe uh, like in a class, say say a class or something, and an instructor is talking to another student and another student standing on the line, and they just get lazy and they just like they take their I take their gun and they just kind of put their hand over it like this, and the the firearm is actually pointed at like their feet. Right, it's pointed right. right directly at their feet. Uh, it's just it's so often overlooked right. uh, because people don't carry these things around and have them in their hands all of the time. Right. So just like being able to practice marksmanship skills or any other technical skill for that matter, you must be practicing firearms handling and safety. Right, and that extends beyond the range. Sure. Right, that that's literally everywhere. So going back to that, and you know, uh, you know keeping your firearm pointed, in, you know, in safe direction, you know, what helps dictate what that safe direction is? All right, it depends. Right. So if you're on a range, it's all, of course going to be downrange. It's going to be you know pointed towards the ground, something like that. But let's say you live in an apartment complex. You uh, you're in a hotel, right? You're not on the ground floor. You're on the second floor. Um, pointing at the ground may not be a great idea. Sure. Um, you know, uh, what's something that most hotels have, right? At least the one, the budget hotels that I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I frequent. Um, you know, most of those hotels have, you know, air conditioners. Mm -hmm. That big hunk of metal, right, that, that's inside the room. If you have to do anything administratively to your firearm, right, um, that is a generally, that is a, uh, a safe place, you know, to point the firearm. Um, if you, again, if you have to do something administratively to it. Um, think about your home, right? Think about... You know, if, you know, if this firearm were to, you know, if I were to negligently press the trigger on this firearm, if this firearm were to go off, what, what is the area of least consequence? Mm -hmm. Where, what is going to cause the least amount of damage, the least amount of, um, you know, legal, you know, financial issues if this firearm were to negligently go off? Um, and it's negligence, right? Right. It's not, it's not just, you know, oh, well, I had an accident. No, no, it's negligence. Yeah. Like you did something that caused that firearm to go off. It just didn't spontaneously fire. Right, right. So, and, and you know, it's going to differ um, um, in different houses, different types of houses. I mean, I grew up in tornado bullets, and those things have, you know, paper walls. It's really hard to find a safe direction in some of those uh, trailers and stuff, yeah. uh, modular homes and, and that sort of thing. Um, if you live in a, a brick home, you know, pretty much every wall um, is is a sufficient backstop. So really what you're looking for is a sufficient backstop, something that's going to stop a projectile. Yep. And, and that takes a level of competence. You have to know what your gun is going to penetrate through or what your what the what your projectile is going to penetrate through and uh, the potential hazards there. So you know, um, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, modular homes and that type of thing with, you know, more thin walls and stuff. Um, with the potential of, of, of a projectile going through drywall and out the, the siding of the house is pretty high. Um, I generally tell our, our students a, a safe a, a safer area is the corners of the house because there's it's generally reinforced with um, you know several two by fours right multiple layers of wood exactly right? so it, then there's there's uh, a lesser probability of of the projectile actually going through that yeah. Uh, large appliances, that's, mm -hmm. you know, another, you know, refrigerators, things like that. Um, they're, they're generally, you know, uh, a good idea. Um, 
uh, in my home, I have fireplaces. So mm-hmm. I use a fireplace as my, my dry firing area, right? So, um, or, you know, my administrative handling area, um, you know, in my safe area, you know, where I uh, keep some of my firearms, uh, I have a large fireplace. So right. it's just, it's very convenient, just worked out that way that I have a nice place where I know that if something were to negligently happen, you know, not, not that it will, but not if the worst negligence that occurred, it's going to shoot, you know, right into that brick. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to have to change my pants, but aside from yeah. that, right. Um, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be good to go. All right. So the uh, another one is know your target and what lies beyond, and that's going to apply in you know on a range. It's also going to apply in in reality and, and that type of thing too. And there's there's a lot that can go into into that as well. I think we have a break coming up. Yeah, so. yeah. And, um, so something else that I, again with that we should consider. Um, you know these farm safety rules they apply everywhere. They don't right. just apply on the range. They apply you know when we're with our families, when we're out in public. You know their their lifestyle rules. So when we come back from the break, we're going to be discussing you know, a response how to be a responsibly armed citizen and your family and how those can coincide. You're joining us on the Rack Show on WSIC. We'll be back soon. Stay tuned with us. Just now joining us, you're joining the Rack Show, the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show. I'm um, your host, Frank Corbath, here. Also with me is Tim Kelly, and we're, we are talking about firearms and the family, how they can coincide, um, how uh, how they are intermingled. Uh, the last segment, we talked about firearm safety. We touched on etiquette. Um, you know, what what does it look like? What does it look like to be a responsibly armed citizen and how do you operate in and around your family being a responsibly armed citizen? How how do those two worlds coincide? Because you know, when, when we talk to, you know, some moms, right? Or we talk to, you know, some some family, some parents, um, there's some hesitation there. You sure. know, when do I introduce my kid to gun? Should I introduce my kid to gun? Are they two totally opposite things? Um, you know, in our world they're not. I right. you know. So for me, as a, as a parent, you know, I want to expose my children, you know, as as early as they're competently able to be exposed, mm-hmm. um, and understand that you know it, it you know, firearms no different than a a hammer, right? No different than a, a, a drill, right? These are all tools that have a very specific purpose. And safety precautions abound, right? Safety precautions, you have to have safety precautions just like you would with any other tool um, than, than you do with your farm. So, Tim, let's expand a little bit more on that. There's so much, and there, there's so much that goes into uh, you know the, the everyday armed citizens' lifestyle, um, and, and so many different considerations. You know, as you said, everybody has different hesitations for for. Uh, realistic reasons too, uh, and some of them may not know uh, how to actually go about doing it. I, I think we should probably start with storage. I think that's probably the, yeah. the best way uh, to go about. How are you storing your handgun that you plan to carry on an everyday basis? Um, and 
you know, does does your employer um, allow you? Uh, does it does he permit you to uh, to carry a firearm at work and stuff like that? There, or do I have to have some t- other type of storage option in my vehicle? And what kind of storage options should I use? That type of thing. So, you know, f- for me, uh, I, I use a, a company called Vault Tech USA. And, and I have a, in, I forget the actual name. I'll find it here in a minute. Um, but it, we have a, a, a rather large safe where my wife and I are able to um, take our our entire firearm setup, like the holster and gun and everything. Yep. It all comes off at the same time. And we put the whole thing inside of this locked case, this little vault. Right. And that's where it stays. Now, before I go any further, the importance of this is I can take my whole holster and my whole holstered gun and put it inside this box. That means I don't have to worry about it, un, you know, unnecessary administrative handling of my firearm, right. taking my gun out, unloading it, and um, you know, removing the the round from the chamber and that type of thing, which leads to a whole bunch of other complications and right. issues with your with your carry ammo when you do that over and over. So being able to just take the whole thing off, put it away, and in the or- in the morning, just do the process in reverse. As you get dressed, you take it out of the storage uh, and, and put it on your person, and you go on about your life. Right. Now, having a, a, another storage option inside your vehicle, should you have to go inside the courthouse or if your work doesn't permit carrying a handgun or something along those lines, um, it is also reasonable. And the same company offers some of those. I know Stopbox USA is another really good yeah. option, but there's gun safes galore all over the interweb. I mean, you can, you can find options. And storage should be one of the first areas you look when you decide to carry. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, and for a number of different reasons, right? So, you know, obviously safety, right? We want to make sure that. Ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, welcome back to The Rack Show, where you're joined by Tim Kelly and Frank Horvath, and we talk about all things uh, needed for the responsibly armed citizen. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation, right? So we talked about safety. We talked about family. Uh, let's talk about, you know, where do we start to learn some of these firearm safety skills, these etiquette skills, how to operate in, in and around a family? Um, you know, what does a private one-on-one session look like? Uh, at Apache, and how would that benefit us as being responsibly armed citizens? Okay, cool. So our um, uh, our our business is structured a lot like a gym with a private trainer, where folks come out and they 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 attend a one hour block of instruction or a two hour block of instruction, where the trainer meets that student where they are, helps them establish goals, and helps them meet those goals along the way. So that boutique experience allows them an opportunity. To get to know a professional, get to know somebody that can help customize their needs, right? Um, with within like uh, the, the responsibly armed citizen criterion, right? Right. So, if I've got a single mother of 
two kids, one's uh, two toddlers, we'll say, right? And she says, listen, I, I feel like I really need to take, uh, take on the responsibility of, of protecting myself and my family. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in carrying a handgun, but I don't know how to keep it around the house at home and stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know how to manage that. And that's, that's where we could start off with them, right? We start everybody off with safety and etiquette. So when, when, they, get, when they get involved in, um, in a private session, they start talking about how to safely handle their firearm around the home. Yeah. And, and, and often, you know, like, you know, that, that mother, right, she already had a, a plan. She had an idea. She, right. she knew what her expectations were. She knew what she wanted, what goals she had. Right. You know, often that's, that's something that you, need, you should develop, right? You should say, hey, my goal is to blank, right? My goal is to become a responsible citizen. My goal is to protect my family. My goal is to X, Y, Z. And if you can come to us with that goal already in mind, then that helps just speed up the process. So if you already have a plan, you already say, this is what I would like to do, then we can say, fantastic, this is how we're going to start. This is, this right. is point A. Um, you know, often, you know, when we do those private sessions, the first private session is usually about two hours, right? Mm-hmm. And we say, hey, you know, the, you know, in the first hour or so is let's sit down, let's, let's lay out the foundation. Let's go, what are your goals? What experience do you have? What are your expectations? These are our expectations. You know, what, you know, where are you currently on the spectrum of learning? Like, so have you, how, how much bad habits do we have to break yeah. you up, right? So like, you know, what, in, what else is out there that we should know and how should we approach it so that we can tailor Right, your your learning, like tailor your uh, development in with you know firearm safety, firearms etiquette, firearms in general, right? Of how to become a responsible firearm citizen, so we can tailor that program directly to you. Right. Um, and again, that that starts with the conversation. Right. You know, we're not immediately going and you know slinging lead. Like we're we're starting off, you know, very low key, saying, "Hey, who are you? Tell me what you want. Tell me what your goals are, and then what can we do to help you accomplish those goals." Right. So, I mean, if, if you look at, you know, what I, what I compared it to a gym with a private trainer, you don't walk into a gym and all of a sudden just know how to handle every piece of equipment there. Right. A lot of times you're like, man, I'm getting, I'm plateauing or I, I'm getting stuck on this one piece or I have no idea what I'm doing here. Uh, I just need some help. I need some guidance. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Yeah. yeah. Right. So you get, you get a, um, uh, you, you, you get a private trainer and you say, listen, uh, this is what I'm trying to achieve and uh, I need to know how to actually, you know, have good form on my bench press or something along those lines. Okay, cool. Well, that trainer is going to meet you right there and he's going to help guide you along. But their, their job isn't to hold your hand throughout the entire process. Their job is to show you how to do it. And, and get you to a level to where you can go and practice it on your own. You have a level of proficiency. Exactly. Right. And so, and, and have a measurement for success. Ours, right. is, ours is structured the same way, you know, where, you know, when, when folks come to us and say, I have no idea, or one of the more common ones, to, to our viewers' surprise, I'm sure, um, <laughs> one of the more common ones is, I hate guns, yep. or I don't know. I'm scared to death of them. Right. Right. One of those two things. Those, those are very, very common students, student types. And they say, I, I'm afraid I'm afraid of guns, but I know in the world that we live in right now, I need to have a tool that I uh, that I can use to protect myself. Well, what do you how, how do you deal with somebody that, that is, is afraid of guns? Well, you work through their their issues as far as 
well, why are you afraid of guns? Right. Was it a traumatic event that occurred when you were a kid? How, how can we help work you through that? How can we, you know, help to show you that this is just, this is nothing more than, you know, a, another tool, a chainsaw or a hammer or, you know, or a drill or something along those lines. And, and kind of, you know, restructure in their minds what these firearms actually represent. And, you know, uh, especially for the, you know, the, the, the father or the mother, you know, that comes to us with those types of issues, they can then take that knowledge home and help better educate their families, right? right. They can help better educate their kids um, and, 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 you know, help show them from experience, like this is, this is what these guns are capable of, but in the right hands, you know, they, you know they're, they're a great tool. They're an excellent um, uh, resource uh, for your own self-preservation. Yeah, and, and that's what it is, right? It is a tool. Right. You know, and, and, you know, for, I absolutely can understand and, and in some ways I can relate to the, you know, the, the fear, right, that can be associated with firearms. There is a negative stigma that is there, right? Let's face it, and, you know, the media does a fantastic job of that. But... You know, at the end of the day, it is just that. It is a tool. It is no different than a hammer. It is no different than a nail gun. Um, it is a tool that has been designed and operate with a very specific purpose, right? right. And in our case, with lethal force, uh, it is to stop a threat, right? right? We have an issue. It comes. It comes to you know the point where you know legally it would be justified. It is to stop a threat. Right. Um, you know, far too often. Um, you know, when, when, when we go down these rabbit holes of, you know, well, you know, we're, we're scared of guns or, you know, we have, you know, X, Y, Z issues. The issue always comes back to, or, or the common, um, you know, the common statement is, well, guns kill people mm-hmm. like that, that, but that's not true. It, it, it's really not, you know, firearms are a, a, are a means just like a hammer is a means, right? right? You can do the, the, you can accomplish the same end goal with, with a hammer than you can with a firearm. It's just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a force multiplier. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, one of the ways we, we try to get this around to students is talking about etiquette um, and, and the difference between firearm safety and firearms etiquette. And I'm a firm believer that people need to understand the difference, and that's a, that should be included in their edu- their their education, right? right? And the, the process of that. Um, a lot of times, people get wrapped up around the firearms hand- handling safety rules, and what it ends up causing is this unnecessary fear of an inanimate object, right? So w- one of the things I like to do is I'll take a semi-automatic handgun, right? I'll remove the magazine from it. Um, I'll lock the slide back. I'll check the chamber, make sure that there's, I'll check and double check, make sure there's no possible way that there's a round anywhere close to this gun. I'll leave the slide locked back to the rear and set it on the table with the muzzle pointed downrange and the student standing behind it. And I'll say, I'll ask the student, you know, if I'm not going to do it, but if I were to pick this up in its current condition and point it at you, what emotion would you feel? And the most common response is, I'd feel fear. Why? Why? If, If you know for a fact, you've checked it, I've checked it, everybody's checked it, it is completely empty. Why do you feel the emotion of fear? Well, because you're not supposed to. Well, that, that little stumble and stutter generally right. tells me that they don't really know why right. you're not supposed to point guns at people. Right. So, but they'll say, but, 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 but you're not supposed to point it at anything. You're supposed to, uh, anything you don't want to shoot, kill, or destroy, or, or because you're supposed to treat every gun as if it were loaded. That's why. But why? Well, it, it is 
absolutely unnecessary for you to assume that this is dangerous, pointing an, a completely unloaded and inert firearm at you. It should, you should not, you should feel an emotion, but it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be fear. Right. It, it should be, I, I'm offended. Yeah. No different than me flipping you the bird. That's right. right? Or I, picking my nose in public. I get mad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like instant. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it certainly is worthy of correction right. because bad etiquette can lead to, uh, to lead to unsafe behavior. That's right. But being able to bridge that gap between firearm safety and firearms etiquette, the, the folks that are afraid of firearms start to understand Oh, so it's not the gun that's the problem, right? And these guns can't just magically hurt me just because they're guns. They have to have, they have, to have some type of fuel, right? right? They have to be able to operate. And once they see that it's another mechanical object that, you know, has to go through a process in order for it to work, just like a chainsaw's got to have gas in a chain, right? right? A chainsaw is only dangerous if it's turned on, right? If it's running and there's a chain attached to it. It's the only time that it can really seriously harm you. Right. If it's not running and it's just sitting on the table, there's no reason to like run away from it because you're scared it's going to jump up and, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre you. Right, you right, know? right. So I, I think that that right there, bridging the gap between firearm safety and firearms etiquette is is one of the one of the best ways we found to be able to get people past some of their um, some of their previous fears of firearms, or, or getting past some of that trauma that they've developed as a child. The hesitancy, yeah, right, absolutely, yeah, and then and then being able to build off that, right? So being able to go, hey, all right, what? So we've I don't want to say we've conquered the field, but we've made significant strides in being able to you know get past the fear, yeah, and then. Then from there, it's just baby steps. It's going, all right, cool. So let's let's now work on your form. Let's now work on you know your your accuracy. All right, can yeah. you hit then the an, an intended target? Mm-hmm. Then we'll move on to your precision. Do you know exactly with specificity where you're going to impact that target? You know, and do you mean to impact that target when when you intend to? Right. Right. So can you hit the dot, the center of the center of the center of the center of the X? Um, and then we build off of that. You know, we want to uh, get you to a point where you can operate with automaticity, right? So mm-hmm. you don't even have to think about it. It just na- it just happens. Right. Um, yeah, again, this this is part of like the that 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 structure that you know wax on wax off approach of you know can we uh, well, you know, can we meet you at can we push you to your goal? Can we get you to where you want to be uh, as a student? And then once you've hit those goals, what are the next steps? What are the next goals? Where are some things that we can continue to push on? Yeah, Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 fascinating stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, even, even as far as like that, that, you know, the student shows up to the trainer and says, Hey, this is my new outfit that I'm going to be wearing uh, to work this week. Um, one of my new outfits, what do you think? Do I have, you know, can I can conceal really well? And like, how's my, my level of concealment? And you know, that, you know, that's an excellent opportunity to learn about principles of concealment and stuff. Um, different medical considerations, you know, what type of medical gear to carry. I mean, there's just endless opportunity for the responsibly armed citizen um, to, you know, there's endless, endless things that they can go over in a private session and really, really benefit them moving forward. Yeah. Well, Tim, that sounds all amazing. Uh, We're going to have to talk a little bit more about private sessions moving up. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Rack Show on WSIC, the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show. We're going to come up for the break. After the break, we're going to be talking about the Comp C of the Month. Talk to you soon.
All right, welcome back, everybody. My name is Tim Kelly. You are on The Rack Show, where we talk about everything involving the responsibly armed citizen. With me, I have Frank Horvath, and we are going to be discussing the competency of the month. The last episode, we talked about uh, our competency of the month and what it actually is. Um, It's essentially a subject that we cover for uh, a, a period of time to help you help guide you through um, certain considerations for, uh, for the everyday armed citizen. Um, the topic is third-party altercations. Um, we've been talking a lot about family and how that, you know, how firearm safety and etiquette and stuff fits into family. I'd kind of like to talk a little bit about the competency of the month and how, um, how third-party altercations can relate to uh, family family life. So, so yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that. So I think on the last show I had said, you know, unless it's me and or mine, right, I'm going to be really hesitant to get involved. Um, so talking specifically about family, you know, if, if I know the scenario, if I know exactly what's happening from the very beginning to the very end, right, as is state law in state of North Carolina, um, you know, you can intervene in third party encounters as long as you can check off the check boxes as far as, you know, uh, was that person that you're intervening for, were they justified to use deadly force on their own behalf? Right. Right. So if I've seen everything from, from the beginning and if I know the story from beginning in, I, uh, I know what happened, then absolutely I'm going to intervene as far as me and my immediate family. Right. Um, outside of that, I'm going to be really hesitant, right? I'm, 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 uh, there's so many different things. You don't know what kind of bad blood may have already been there. You know, if it was some sort of neighbor quarrel or, you know, whatever it is, right? The insert issue here. Um, you know, somebody shot my dog. Well, that doesn't mean that you can do anything, unfortunately, in state of yeah. North Carolina, right? So there's, again, that, that goes back to the previous conversation of emotion mm-hmm. and, you know, getting wrapped up in that. But um, as far as, you know, me and my family, you know, if, if I'm seeing an altercation happening with my spouse, right, if I see an altercation that's happening with my children, I'm absolutely going to do use all the tools that are in my toolbox to do what I need to do for my family. Well, that's uh, that's big talk, Frank. That's big talk. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and save the day. Do right? it. And it's one thing to say that you're going to jump in and save your child's life from, you know, um, some mugger or something like that, yeah. or, or save your wife's life. You know, when you come out of the, out of the grocery store and she was ahead of you and you see her getting mugged or something along those lines, right. it's one thing to say that you're going to intervene. It is another to actually have the means, the tools, right. the, the, the knowledge and the know-how to handle that situation. Right. You know, a, a a lot of God, I, I, I hate bashing on dudes, but the, well, a lot of us have this ego about us that you know we are the we are our family's protector. The knight on the white horse, yeah, right? man, Correct. exactly. And and it's it's just not it's just not realistic to believe that you're just going to rely on some um, some hormone, right? right? Right. To just to just activate and all of a sudden you're going to Hulk smash. Right. That's not the way this works. And and it's not always the Hulk smash like approach that you have to take, right. but you have to have those different skill sets. You have to have the verbal judo. You have to have the wherewithal. You have to have the, the presence of mind, the presence of self to be able to identify, Oh, this is, this is going bad. And this is going bad very quickly. I need to fix very quickly. Now, 
that doesn't always mean that you have to go to deadly force, yeah. right? That could that could mean mm, I don't like the way that this person is approaching my family, or I don't like the way that this person's approaching us. We're going to pivot hard now, yeah. right? And that's a conversation I've already had with my family. We already have a plan. We already know what's happening, all right? And that's something that we've pre-gamed. Yeah. Um, so if you know, I'm not going to share it on air, but you know, my family and I have a very specific phrase that we use, and when I say this very specific phrase, my family knows we this something is bad it's something is bad happening now um you know candace take takes care of the kids and then i do whatever i need to do in that moment right, right? but that's a conversation and that is a plan that we've already had that's something that we've already pre-gamed you know call us paranoid i don't care you know in my world if something were to happen at least we have a plan Right. Um, if you don't have a plan, then you're trying to figure out things in the moment. If you're trying to figure out things in the moment, there's possibility that, that you know, emotion is going to get involved and, you know, your, your mental process is going to be skewed. So again, you know, the, the, going back to what you were saying about, you know, the, you know, the ego and, you know, having that like white knight syndrome, whatever it may be, um, far too often we hear guys that say things like that and they don't have the skill set, not not just the, the physical skill set of, we'll say, deadly force, but they don't have all those other soft skills, med, verbal judo, right, hands, um, you know, body skills, hand skills, things like that, to be able to back up what they're saying or back up what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another thing is, is, is education on, like, how to deal with people. I think... You know, we live we we live in a society where everybody gets offended by you know the the the, the most minute thing, right? right? And and some people are just downright rude, right? right? So like, I think one of the one of the major complications you run into is maybe maybe your wife's got a mouth on her, right? right. Maybe, maybe she is um, maybe she's cut somebody off in traffic or something, right? Right. And um, she cut somebody off in traffic or something, and now she's been confronted, right? And after she's been confronted, she says, you know, a couple of choice words to that person right. that ends up ramping up and escalating, you know, right. uh, the issue. So this this is a study for the family in itself. Like you you have to be prepared for some. To, to, you have to be prepared for the the possibility that you might flip somebody's switch, press their button, turn their dial, or something that turns them into an absolute monster and, and somebody that you just didn't expect. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, there's, there, again, I think I had said in the last show that I'm really fascinated by law. I'm really fascinated about, you know, different self-defense scenarios across the world, uh, but primarily here in the United States. You know, several years ago, I know it hit, uh, you know, the, the news media wide open, you know, up in Pennsylvania, right? Mm. There was a couple that, you know, again, they escalated, right? right? So they were having these 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 verbal altercations. It was going back and forth. There was a lot of bad blood between the two. But the, the, the person who lived across the street that this couple were arguing with, they said the, the, the couple said the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? And this person just, just flipped. Right. And because of, you know, that 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 current mental state, because of what happened and the words that happened and all the back, the bad blood that happened prior, um, this this person used a deadly force against this couple just in cold blood, just murdered them yeah. um, over nothing. Mm -hmm. It was literally over nothing. Um, so, like, you just don't know. You don't know, you know, uh, what's going to happen. You don't have the foresight of knowing what's in, you know, the other person's mind. You can say the wrong thing at the wrong time, but that's why it's 
ever so important to, to understand de-escalation tactics, right? right. Understand you know what, what that verbal judo, right? How, what can you say? How can you say it? What can you do to make yourself less threatening? What can you do to really back down and, and to stop you know that that the the altercation from ramping up? Because right. that's ultimately what we want to do. We don't want to use deadly force. We don't want it to get anywhere close to that. Right. Right. We want to do everything that we can to mitigate that. Right. And, you know. Uh, um, uh, if you look at the probabilities of uh, third-party altercations actually de-escalating, or sorry, or escalating, um, it's when a third party gets involved. Right. So if there's one-on-one, the probability of, you know, somebody just submitting and saying, look, you know what, you're right, I cut you off, sorry about that, man. Um, uh, you know what, here's $20, and, you know, um, I'm sorry for the inconvenience, have a nice day, and just turn around and leaving. Right. But if the wife is trying to do that, you know, to the pissed off guy who's, you know, mad that she cut her off, or that she cut him off, um, if she's trying to do that, and meanwhile, in walks big, you know, big chest husband, what are you doing talking to my wife like that, you know, or something right, like that? Right. Well, all of a sudden, everything goes up. Escalation, right? Yeah, and now it's it's wife trying to be mediator, husband trying to be he-man, and you've got all kinds of chaos happening, right? Right. But if, if the husband knew that his wife was capable of handling such an event, he right. could be standing by. Absolutely. Right? He could be standing by and, and taking care of other things, like taking care of the kids, right, or taking care of, of whatever, just taking care of a... Maybe call it an advantageous position, right? Positioning right. themselves in the event he decides to, you know, increase his, uh, you know, his anger and go to something more physical. Right. Then you are in a position to be able to do something about it. Doing that really helps um, helps keep that situation from escalating further, right? right? So yeah, I think I, th- I think when you're when you're looking at at the probabilities um, that. that the minute you insert yourself in, in someone else's business, even if it is your family member or something, right. the person that you're riding in the car with, right? The minute you insert yourself, the probability of this turning physical has gone up, right? A lot. Tim, I think that's all that we uh, we have for the, for today. Thank you so very much uh, for talking a little bit about just everything, right? Talking about safety, talking about families, talking about private sessions. Something that we forgot to do in our, our last episode that we, was made apparently clear to us is we for, we talked about Apache, but we gave you no information, no details about who Apache, or excuse me, about how to contact us. Right? Oh my how gosh. How can you reach out and talk to how us? How do we do how that? How can we go? So Tim, uh, quick, uh, quickly only have about a, a minute and change. Um, give me some details about Apache. So website, social media, phone numbers. How can sure. people reach out to Apache? How can they get some private training? How can they reach out and get some resources? Okay, so one of the best thing, best ways to do it is go to our website, apachenc.com. That's A-P-A-C-H-E-N-C, as in North Carolina, dot com. And all of our contact information is on there. But if you ever just want to send us an, an email or something like that, maybe you got some ideas of what you want to hear, hear us talk about on the show, Info at ApacheNC.com um, is, is the best way to contact us. You can also give us a phone call at 336-422-6859. We can get you set up with a private session or get you into our next class. Um, we, we do a lot more than just concealed carry classes, folks. We have a lot of other uh, fantastic options for you. Uh, we do a lot more than just pistol work. Um, just 
get in contact with us. You can also follow us on Facebook um, or Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel for more content like you've been hearing today. Thank you, Tim. Guys, uh, you've been listening to The Rack Show, the Responsibly Armed Citizen Show, uh, uh, hosted by WSIC, where your news matters. There's, uh, We really thank everyone that's at WSIC. They've done a fantastic job. Tune in next Saturday at 1 o'clock to hear more, and we'll be seeing you. Stay safe. Stay safe.